1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the College Decanton podcast. I'm your host, Travis May. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. And I'm joined again by my co-host, Stefan Leco. You can find him on Twitter at Stéphane Leco. That's L-A-K-O. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, I know we've got a lot of new listeners this time of year, every single year. Uh, but if you're joining us for the first time, we really talk about the journey of the best football players from beginning to the end, from their journey as a recruit, through college, through the NFL, and all the way to discussions as to whether or not they're going to make it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, really, we talk about all the best players and what they're doing at every level and how it impacts our fantasy teams because we are fantasy football nerds that play in all the weirdest formats in existence. And I know Truth. a lot of our listeners do the same. So uh, if, if you're here for the fantasy fantasy football, great. If you're here for the real football, great. We do both. But uh, Staphon, you ready for some real Well, I guess (laughs) real-ish football action to kick off this uh, coming weekend.
2: Yeah, I am, man. I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, it's so stupid that they call it Week Zero. How disrespectful. And then I started thinking about the slate (laughs) as I was doing some research for our DFS article. um, And I was like, you know what? Week Zero is probably an accurate name here. Pretty fitting. (laughs) But, but. I'm very excited. Uh, I got a flat tire this morning, driving my sister to the airport at three o'clock in the morning, not totally flat, but like Joe over a nail. So I'm deliberately going to bring that into the shop tomorrow so that I have an excuse. Cause it's like walking distance from my house. So I have an excuse just to sit at home because I have no car can't do anything. Sorry, kids we're stuck at home watching Nebraska. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> and I'm on the under in that game. So it's going to, I'm yeah. hoping it's a miserable game. <laughs> Hey, you know,
1: when they travel across the pond to play in Ireland against Northwestern. uh, Yeah, I I do like the under typically as well. We'll see. Our
2: our boy, Calm Kelly, um, executive producer um, extraordinaire here at Rotovis, he's going to be at that game. We were texting oh, yesterday, man. so it's awesome. like, man, that's so fun. But uh, yeah, buckle absolutely. up, buddy, because it's gonna be brutal <laughs> in uh, the most beautiful Big Ten way.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, Big Ten football. We know, we know what Big Big Ten football is at this point. It's it's a lot of efficient punting, is what it is. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but uh, anyway, today, so we've been talking kind of back and forth, NFL episode here, college football episode there. But because college football and is kicking off with week zero. And by the time you actually listen to this, it might actually already be closer to week one. Uh, we want to talk about really some, some classes, looking ahead to future NFL draft classes, some breakout players for this year, some situations that uh, are interesting to us, uh, quarterback situations, wide receiver room situations. We talked about some breakout players a few weeks ago, but just uh, some situations have become more clear. Uh, others still haven't, uh, and the season's already uh, here. But really, just want to talk about because we talked about uh, various positions and how draft history has changed and how teams invest in quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and things like that. Want to talk through the strengths of each draft class upcoming too, like the 2023 group. Yes, uh, hit on them again, but 2024, 2025. I know so if you play in some Debbie fantasy football leagues, or if you play in college fantasy, or if you play in uh, college Decanton formats, campus Decanton formats, whatever it is. Uh, These college players matter to your future NFL rosters fantasy football success. Uh, And, you know, even if you don't really care much about the college side for fantasy purposes, these guys are probably going to be on your NFL fantasy team. So it's good to, you know, know who these names are before they even get there. And, you know, it sounds smart when you have your fantasy football draft coming up uh, just to be talking about the freshman or next year's freshman. And people are like, oh, crap, I'm screwed. I'm in this I'm in this league with this guy who knows this player. Yeah. Right. Hopefully. Hopefully you can intimidate some people with what uh, <laughs> we'll be talking about uh, today. but uh, Stapon, I, I you know I was pulling together some of these top players from all these different draft classes from this r- most recent draft of ours in this league mm-hmm. called Fanatics 16, which is F16 is, baby. Yeah, yeah, it's campus to Canton format which means you have a college league for fantasy and an NFL league running side by side. And how, how was that draft for you? Did you enjoy that? Cause I mean, we even included like high school players. I know that was, that was new for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we could draft up to five high school players and those guys went, I mean, we started seeing those guys leave the, get uh, get drafted in the fourth round, I believe. And I, Mm -hmm. uh, I took two kind of with my middle picks and then I, I waited just for my last three picks and just took the best remaining. I wanted to make sure I got all five because we were, a lot of them but the the overall league was super fun um you spend the time because you are um the best and also a nerd it's a great combination um you have these spreadsheets showing like tracking everyone's picks when it comes to how many picks are you picking from each conference how many freshmen do you have how many seniors and i have like the grandpa team like every i mean they're all like 20 years old so they're not quite grandpas (laughs) but uh um, i definitely have a lot of uh, upperclassmen on my teams I don't think I've yeah. selected my first freshman until like uh, the second half of the draft and part of that was intentional um, my NFL roster is um, pretty much in win now mode so I, I want to kind of capitalize on that uh, so that I have a bunch of highly high, highly talented players with most likely good draft capital coming in next year So it kind of pushes my window to like three four years um, and then in that process, I can, I can rebuild with, um, a draft next year. So, cause I'll have a yeah. lot of picks next year. Um, so, yeah, so I, mean, I was really excited about it. I thought it was really fun. Um, and it's always, it's always cool watching what you and, uh, Matt with Spey, uh, we all work together on, on stuff. So it's fun seeing kind of how you guys built your teams and, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be great. I, I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, I bring that draft up because we really stacked players from every single class. Like we're when we build out our fantasy, like the nerdiest fantasy football rosters of ours. Like we're looking at players that aren't even draft eligible until 2026, 2027. I'm pretty sure West Bay actually drafted somebody that's not eligible till 2028 on his team. So we're looking way out. We live in the weeds of all the top recruiting classes, all the the camps, you know, knowing who these players are going to be. Uh, and these future NFL players are going to be before uh, a couple of years before, in some cases, they even put on a college uniform. Uh, I know that 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 space has kind of grown over the, the like, I guess, last 10 years or so. but Like, really, that information was just not readily available until I don't know, at least the mid 2000s, early 2010s. But now, now it's like it's, it's second nature, it, it's everywhere. So, just want to guide some people through what the future of the NFL could look like, future of college football could look like with all these top players. But before we do that, I know. uh Just want to hit a couple of these breakout situations or confusing situations. Like you, you were asking me a question about Washington before we yeah. hit record.
2: Yeah, I'm your I'm your Pac-12 guy here. At least at least until Oregon announces that they're moving to the Big Ten, and then yeah, I'm gonna reject the Pac-12 as quickly as I've rejected the Seahawks after getting rid of Russell Wilson. like There will be no no problem for me. But I don't really understand what's going on in Washington. I mean, I, I understand what's going on. So DeBoer comes over, um, and then he goes ahead and brings in uh, Penix, who he has familiarity with um, from his past. And there's a quarterback battle for all intents and purposes. But I don't think anyone was surprised that Penix got the job, except for me, because Sam Heward was one of these highly, highly um, – recruited ranked prospects he's got you know ties to the nfl with brock heward um and and so like yeah yeah um and so i was just surprised that like here he is comes in as a highly touted freshman got very little no playing time i think last year um if so very little and um their offense was anemic and, and now he still can't crack the the lineup so Were we wrong about him? Is DeBoer just being stubborn? Uh, It kind of reminds me of what's going on in Oregon, actually, with Ty Thompson and Bo Nix. It just seems like they're capping their ceiling by going with a higher floor play, um, which in a year where Washington is kind of rebuilding anyway, why wouldn't you want to see what you've got with the kid?
1: Yeah, I mean, and for those unfamiliar, Kalen DeBoer is the new head coach at Washington. He comes over from Fresno State, but he had prior offensive coordinator and quarterback coaching experience with Michael Penix Jr. when they were both at Indiana back in 2019. Penix hasn't stayed healthy throughout his entire career, but when he's been in the game, he's made some bonkers plays that looked really incredible. Like, I mean, he's made some really nice pro level throws, but he also has made you know, some boneheaded turnovers and Indiana football wasn't even good really when he was at the helm. So it's, it's questionable as to why is he the best option this year? And I think the the quick answer is like Kalen DeBoer understands that he needs to win now because Washington uh, was absolutely kind of a dumpster fire. And if they're a dumpster fire two years in a row and they're, they've got a young quarterback, this is what I'm thinking he's thinking anyway, if they've got a young quarterback and he's not really ready to win a bunch of games this year, that could severely impact their ability to win recruiting battles in future seasons. Uh, They've got to put some wins on the board now. And maybe Appendix is only healthy for half the year, but if he looks good and they get some wins early, maybe that's a good thing for them. And there's, again, because of that familiarity with the offense and their history of uh, knowing each other before, I think that came into play big time. But I, I am excited because, Kalen DeBoer might actually make Washington and their Huskies offense exciting because it's been a while since they've been truly exciting or fast paced or any like there was any identity whatsoever. Like they kind of been ground and poundish at times, but like they, they were super slow paced last year. It was a mess. So I think it's for all offensive weapons in that offense, all Washington football fans. It's probably a good thing that Kalen DeBoer comes over from Fresno State. He did, did a great job there. Uh, offensively Um, I I like Jalen McMillan some people like uh, Rome uh, O'Duns. I I don't even know how you pronounce his name I heard Odunzi or O'Duns, but uh, both those guys should should go off at wide receiver this year Jalen McMillan especially Uh, but uh, we'll see we'll see what happens in Washington but uh, you know we mentioned in passing Nebraska they play and you know like I said you may have already seen them play by the time you listen to this show but Casey Thompson Comes over from Texas as quarterback, and uh, he replaces the Adrian Martinez, which at this point we kind of know what he is. He's he's a crazy fun dual threat guy who makes a bunch of mistakes. And he leaves. He's at Kansas State, but Casey Thompson, if he if he actually is the answer there, um, and Trey Palmer is the answer at wide receiver there, that could be really fun this year. I, I don't know who, what the running back situation looks like yet. I know that they've been messing around with a few different running back options. Uh, as as the starter this year Um, they had Gabe Irvin earlier in the year Uh, he kind of was the opening day starter but then got injured they had Ramir Johnson they got this grant kid I don't know what to think of the running back room but what are you doing with Nebraska in terms of trying to predict who who does what there
2: yeah yeah it's a good question and uh, for the record uh, I have Gabe Irvin as uh, one of my plays in the column that just came out this morning Uh, so Gabe Irvin is, yeah, the road of his DFS. Gabe Irvin is one of my uh, deeper plays, cheaper options. I think he's, uh, he's, he's pretty cheap and there's no telling, like you said, there's no telling who's going to be the starting running back for Nebraska, um, this year. It's, it's kind of an open, open situation at the moment. Um, but to get to Nebraska's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited with Whipple there, right? So Scott Frost came over, he was the OC at, um, Oregon and, and, and was super successful, Um, Got the job. I was super sad to see him leave, actually, as an Oregon fan. And I just kind of expected to see Nebraska's offense um, really push the envelope. I almost said envelope. That's weird. Um, I expected (laughs) to see Nebraska really perform well. Uh, and I know the Big Ten is, is a good defensive conference, but I expected him to to, to elevate their program on that level. Instead, the offense didn't really take off, and, and maybe that is because of Adrian Martinez, but I think Scott Frost was part of the problem. Meanwhile, their defense was, was a little bit better than expected, so that was weird. But we have a new OC here now, um, and I, I, it, from all uh, I've heard, Scott Frost is kind of handing the reins to Whipple to run the offense that he wants to. So I'm expecting to see um, a more exciting passing game and this first week I don't know if it's going to happen I think it might take a little bit of time new quarterback new um, coaching staff there um, obviously Frost is still there but uh, I, I think it could take some time but I think as the season progresses to your point I think we could see Palmer kind of break out I also like Omar Manning um, he uh, he's had some some a little bit of trouble here and there off the field uh, but I think he's gonna really perform well and I think uh, we could see a lot of improvement from a three and nine team that under kind of underperformed from a wins and losses record last year. They were in a lot of close games, but I think we see a little bit of a jump for Nebraska. Now I don't think uh, I did not bet they're over on the win totals, um, but I do think that they're an improved offense and I'm excited to see what they they can do. It'll be an interesting test against Northwestern. I think they put up 52 on them last year. I don't think they get quite to that number, but I'm not even so concerned about how many points they put up. I want to see what kind of offense they're playing.
1: Trivia question here for you. Where do you think uh, Nebraska ranked last year in yards per pass attempt?
2: Uh, in all
1: FBS teams among all 130 teams. Where do you think they ranked? Yeah,
2: um, this is going to be so lame of me. I'm going to go with 65, right in the middle.
1: <laughs> they ranked sixth. No, in yards per pass attempt. No, yes, they did. Yes, they did. 9.3 yards for pass attempt. And you know how they did it. They, they did it with explosive passing at, at certain times. They didn't have a whole lot of high-volume depth downfield targets, but Samori Torre, who's actually done some good things this year in camp for the Green Bay Packers, um, was actually a really good deep threat. He averaged almost 20 yards per reception by himself, and he was their lead wide receiver.
2: And And uh, I remember it, you talking about him quite a bit in DFS last year. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, because he was he was the guy. He came in, transferred in, and it was it was immediately the best playmaker on the team. And uh, they started feeding him. Really, about the second weekend, they they just dedicated a lot of targets uh, in in his direction. And that's what uh, Nebraska has done. Uh, in fact, that's Six. what Scott has done is is find an alpha that can separate in some unique way, whether it's Wandal Robinson uh, and creating uh, space underneath and adding Yak, or it's or it's Samori Torre, who can burn people on on the deep stem of routes. Uh, And this year, I think Trey Palmer is the guy that profiles similarly to a Torre in that he is very fast and can create lots of separation. He didn't really find his stride at LSU, uh, but he transfers over. And Casey Thompson's already said that Trey Palmer is the fastest wide receiver he's ever thrown to. And Casey Thompson played for Texas last year. So he had Xavier Worthy to throw to, who was the best true freshman in the nation who was like a four, four kid coming out of high school. So that's high praise directed towards Trey Palmer. He would be my bet to be the guy that explodes this year for the Nebraska corn Huskers. I don't know what, I don't really want to invest in the running back position there, but I, I would say if he is the go-to guy this year with Casey, Casey Thompson, that, not only Thompson uh, you know, does pretty well in terms of uh, maybe increasing his draft stock, I think Trey Palmer could be a day-two wide receiver next year if he sees the investment from Thompson in the target department that I think is possible. So that that would be a low-key kind of target that I've, I've
2: seen go way late in drafts. I was going to say, you can probably get him pretty cheap.
1: Yeah, but that might change in like a week or two. So, right,
2: right. I mean, we'll uh, say- Frost was able to get Dylan Mitchell drafted by the Vikings, <laughs> so uh- – Anything's possible. Anything
1: is possible. I loved.
2: Hey, by the way, I loved Dylan Mitchell. He was on a lot of my rosters when he got drafted.
1: He He didn't have a bad profile. It's just, you know, he wasn't really the athlete that he probably needed to be. Wasn't really uh, up to snuff in that department. But. One more, just kind of interesting situation that real quick, real
2: quick, Travis. When's yeah. the last time you think Dylan Min- Mitchell's name was mentioned on any podcast?
1: <laughs> the last minute, time was mentioned I... on the podcast was probably on ours, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know, but because uh, I think we both kind of liked him at some point, but uh, yeah, uh, another situation though uh, that's uh, really hasn't cleared up. Uh, is, is uh, I guess it might even by the time you listen to this, but Jackson Dart and Luke Altmyer, it sounds like, especially on the message board space, sounds like Jackson Dart is pulling away. Um, but we thought that was kind of a no-brainer. Jackson Dart, a late riser in the recruiting process, uh, coming in as a true freshman, was a, like a low three-star, shot up to a four-star status, goes to USC. Keaton Slovis struggles. Jackson Dart explodes in his first game, is okay down the stretch for the rest of the year. But, uh, you know, the camp- campus to Canton and nerdy fantasy football community and draft circle people already want to project him to be like this first-round NFL quarterback, and he transfers to Ole Miss, and we're like, holy cow, this offensive system that they're running there, he's going to put up bonker stats. He gets to town and struggles to even beat out Luke Altmaier. Like, <laughs> like I'm not knocking. I guess I am kind of knocking Altmaier. The, the expectations were that Dart where just it was just gonna come in because he was clearly the best option, and that hasn't been the case. Does that kind of put a dampen uh does that dampen your optimism for Jackson Dark and his and his future?
2: Yeah, it does. Um I don't really understand what's going on here. I mean I just did a while you were talking, I just did a quick like Google search on like quarterback news out of OMS and it's like you see Kiffin saying things like both are doing really well. And one of the cornerbacks saying, can't wait to see who wins this job. And it's just really, um, it's just really surprising to me that we're, you know, a week away. I mean, and they do start off with a soft schedule. Um, Ole Miss doesn't really think they play Troy um, week one, which watch out for Daggy. He's going to be angry and chippy after losing out on the uh, Western Kentucky job. (laughs) My God. Um, (laughs) Another story for another time, but I don't think that people realize um, what I, – I, you and I talk about this a lot. Um, last year, the, uh, the Ole Miss – I hate calling them the Rebels. Um, they averaged only 33 pass attempts to 45 rushing attempts a game. So they definitely prefer to run the ball, and I think a lot of people forget that. So in a lot of ways, Kiffin designs his offense um, around misdirection, getting his wide receivers in space. I think either one of these guys can, can operate this offense. I think it's just surprising that Jackson hasn't taken it by the reins already. And it does um, kind of make me nervous and, and throw up a red flag. It's part of the reason why I have a whole lot more Luke than I do Jackson in my C2C leagues.
1: Yeah. Cause the, the cost to get Luke is what 30 rounds later. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I mean, even when I was putting together my, uh, top 100 future fantasy football stars piece that has players on both sides of the ball, offense and defense and, uh, for drafts for 2023, 20, 24 and 25, like, I was like, man, where do I put Jackson dart? And I was like, man, you know what? The truth is until I see him really do it on a large sample at all Miss, like he's barely making my top 100 right now. Like yeah. it's just. He might, I, I might immediately have to move him up in a few weeks. But right now, uh, there's some concern. Uh, but it is odd just because I think he's the clear fit for what uh, Kiffin likes his quarterbacks to, to do. He's uh, a better dual threat, he can use his legs way more, in my opinion, uh, than Altmaier could. So it's just odd, really weird. But I think Dart's going to win and he's going to produce. But still, uh, we saw Corral be virtually perfect at times for Ole Miss and still only get round three capital so dart right does not just get the that, that capital handed to him at all
2: yeah i think that's a good point um and like yeah matt corral was like the leading rusher for ole miss last year at least in attempts. um and while like i think you to your point jackson dart is mobile um he in six games only has 22 career rushes and i think that includes sacks too so He's not, it'll be interesting to see how he performs in this offense. I'm, I'm I'm, curious. I think he athletically can do it. And we think we talk about this a lot where people have the ability to do some of these things. We just haven't necessarily seen it from them, like young and Stroud. Uh, so it'll be, it'll really be fun to see what Jackson dart if he wins the job. And I think, I mean, if I was betting it, um, if it was even odds, I would put an, I put an awful lot of money on Jackson dart to be the starter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would as well, but, uh, any other situations you want to hit before we jump in to just talk through the strengths of all these upcoming draft classes and some players we're excited about and maybe could break out in their particular class?
2: Um, before we jump, I did want to get your thoughts on one of the top quarterbacks from last year's class, um, and that's VandeGrift um, being over, like being the backup now at Georgia. We kind of assumed um, that he would. I mean, we were talking about Georgia quarterback position last position battles last year. I don't think any of us thought that uh, Stetson Bennett was going to win that and then win a national championship. And of course you can't bench your national championship quarterback, but do you think, um, do you think Vandergriff ever takes a snap for Georgia or do you think he transfers out? Do you think he's, um, the heir apparent? Like, wh- what do you think is going to happen here? I think
1: he does. I think that, uh, right now it, it looks a little bleak because he's not the, Uh, opening day starter and he really hasn't even been in consideration for that role for two years in a row now Uh, coming out of high school uh, vandegrift was the like he was a top five quarterback in his class i think top two or three quarterback in his class five star level player and uh you know he was not going to start over J T daniels he was not going to start over stetson bennett Bennett, apparently and he even struggled to pass up carson beck throughout camp this year which is Super surprising. So next year, I mean, and they brought in Gunnar Stockton this year, another right. high pedigree guy. Uh, the the competition is going to be thick, I think, next year uh, to see who's a quarterback. But I do believe Rock Vannegrift and his, his talent and third year in that system next year will take the reins and could be, well, much better than the upside we've seen with Stetson Bennett. So he's a really fun by low candidate, especially will be if, if he just rides the bench throughout the season. I think he'll continue to get cheaper until people realize, oh yeah. Okay. So Georgia might not be bringing in that a similar level of pedigree guy next year. And he's probably the favorite to take over. Yeah. I might want to target him. So there's, there's not very many weeks left to probably go get Vandegrift in leagues very cheap, but uh, he's, he's still out there for sure right now.
2: Yeah. And in that I'm trying to pull it up, but I'm so slow. Um, In that league that we, and I don't remember my password. I was going to just look up where I I drafted Vandegrift in that Fnatic 16 league you were talking about. And I got him super, super late.
1: (laughs) Yeah, actually, I can find that right now for you. Just so you know how how late he was going. It's, uh, sorry for the sound effect there. No, I like
2: that. I've got the soundboard here. If we want more sound effects, I can just, you know. Yeah.
1: Vandegrift. Let's see. You took him around 36. Oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> he was a five-star court- quarterback in the class of 2021, recruiting class, and uh, he's already dropped around 36. That so, is insane.
2: So when stuff like that happens and I see him there and I want to pick him, I feel like, am I an idiot for taking him here or is everyone else just kind of forgotten about him? And I'm like, because there's not like an ADP to go off of. There's not really a whole lot of understanding around – like where people are "quote unquote" supposed to go, so I'm just like, well, I like this dude. Uh, I'm, I mean, of course, I also am the guy with DJ U- Young lele Like, I uh, if you're if you're a five star and and you had a bad year, you're gonna find a, a welcoming spot on my bench. Like, I, I'll take you. I may not play you, but I'll take you.
1: Yeah, and the answer, the reason for that is because stars matter, and uh, not just. Uh, now and I've been and not just years ago. Like I'm, at, I don't know. Over the years, long story short, the services got have gotten better and better and better at predicting who who's actually a, a good five star, who's actually a good four star. We've seen the hit rate rise, and and nowadays, if you're a five star player, like you have like a two thirds chance of getting drafted. Just being a five star out of high school, hey, two thirds chance you're gonna get drafted. Like almost a quarter, like almost a twenty five percent chance you're gonna be a first round pick. Which doesn't sound very high, but when you're talking no. about like a player pool of like your, your recruiting class is a quarter million kids, by the way. It's insane. Insane. Uh, and to, and to have a 25% chance amid the quarter million kids that graduated in your class that also played football. Uh, I mean, that's nuts. <laughs> so yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, it really is. When you put it like that, it's like, oh my God, like um, it's a high number. Um, yeah. I think that a, a couple other things players i'm interested in because i think they've kind of taken a dip um at least from my twitter feed tank bigsby is someone that i'm curious about um i i i still am, am a believer i have a lot of shares because of the dip um another guy that i'm kind of the opposite on where i've seen a lot of people talk him up and i just don't believe is uh tanner mckee so those are a couple names um that i think we've maybe talked a little bit about but i'm curious okay. about both of those guys too
1: I'm not sure we even mentioned him when we talked about the, the the 2023 class a while back and trying to predict capital for it. McKee's just a big body guy. You know, he's got that big arm. He's he's tall, but Stanford is not going to do him any favors uh, this year right. in boosting his stats. So that offense is boring and gross and bad. Uh, and even if their schedule isn't bad, <laughs> he he's going to have an uphill climb. Like when we see these late breakout guys that uh, have these explosions in their careers, it's normally because they have like a really awesome offensive minded coach that's there to help them succeed as well. Like in LSU uh, with with Joe Burrow, like he had a a couple of different offensive, like co-offensive coordinators that came in, like Joe Brady and the other old guy who who basically just embraced a new approach and they built the best offensive ever. And then like even Mark Whipple, we mentioned him just because he came over to Nebraska. He just sent Kenny Pickett. To the pros to be a first round draft pick because he invested in an aggressive scheme that they weren't already doing before at Pitt and said, "Hey, pick it, learn this, perfect this, and put him in the right situation to win." McKee doesn't have that kind of offensive situation; like he's not going to be asked to to do that. And maybe he could be a Davis Mills, you know? Like we just saw that coming out of Stanford. Like Davis Mills was a high pedig- pedigree guy at Stanford. McKee was kind of a high ish pedigree guy, not as high as, as Mills, but at Stanford. And Mills didn't really ever put up many stats, but he had the traits. Um, But the thing is, Mills actually had like an an 80th percentile plus pass efficiency profile. And McKee's not really there yet. So McKee has to also match the measurables with some metrics if he wants to really see some significant draft capital.
2: You want to know my favorite uh, Tanner McKee stat is that he scores a rushing touchdown on 15 percent of his carries for <laughs> last year. Just, last last that's year, that's anyway. That's it. He of course he had uh, he only had 61 attempts for four total yards, but somehow that's four touchdowns. I love it. I yeah. love it so I mean, much. Brighton
1: had zero zero official rushing rushing yards last year and had four touchdowns. So there you go.
2: Yeah, it's
1: fantastic.
2: Yeah, that's it, though. Uh, Should we hit the break and then jump into the next next segment? Strengths
1: of every single draft class coming up. Let's do it.
0: Talk about the future of the NFL, too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com. Just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Constantcontact.com. All right, we're back. And we've already talked about some breakout situations, confusing situations in, in college football, some top players uh, to be looking at some of the, you know, Jackson Dart, Tanner McKee, maybe <laughs> Brock Vandergrift for the future. Casey Thompson, Trey Palmer, uh, the Washington situation. But I uh, want to talk about um, some strengths of these upcoming draft classes and really just talk a big picture about how really we're just seeing the beginning of this iceberg of offensive dominance. Like we've, we've seen the game shift towards offense over the past 20 years, but how these players are being brought up and groomed and put through this funnel of, you know, it's basically built to build the perfect offensive prospect throughout the process that's really affecting all these draft classes and is going to affect the future moving forward too, uh, and helps out our fantasy teams to have some depth and a lot of good options to choose from. But um, we talked about some predicting capital for players last year, but just a recap on on strengths of the 2023 class, like obviously, for me, the, the the strength of that class is is clearly the running backs. Uh, but for you, what what is the other position that you have the most confidence in for twenty twenty three prospects? Feel like if you're trying to target rookie picks in your dynasty leagues, and you if you you were trying to sell someone on the hope of this this position is going to be able to help you out, what which position is that?
2: I mean i I like the top end of the quarterback. But then it gets pretty scary pretty quick. And we talked about that. So for this question, I, I think uh running back is the right answer because you can go all the way down to um like just like not the number 10 guy on, on this list that we have here is Blake Corum, And I still like him. You know, like he has the potential to have, but I also like the wide receiver class. Um I think it is a little bit top heavy, and I think um there's still a lot we're gonna learn about a lot of these players, but there's some really exciting players. Um, coming out or at least eligible. Um, and, and I think it's like 20 deep uh, for bars guys that, that I like, that I could see um, having big years and, and getting day two capital. Uh, so I like the wide receiver position quite a bit. Um, I, you know, it's, it's highlighted by Jackson Smith and Jigba and Boutte and Addison, but you go down a little bit further. I'm excited to see what Cedric Tillman can do at Tennessee this year. Like it's going to be a fun offense again, Hendon hooker again, Um, And I think Cedric Tillman could have just an absolutely fantastic year. Um, We talked about, we've talked about Hazelwood a bunch. He's a guy that, you know, uh, could end up having a huge year and and kind of jumping up the ranks. Jalen Cropper at Fresno. I think he's um, in line to have a big, big year. Again, these are guys that are are, are much later in the, in the rankings, um, but it's just deep, you know, and I, I think we'll see something play out in Alabama where we've got, I mean, we consistently see, Alabama wide receivers get draft capital and I'm excited to see um, Jermaine Burton. Sure. But, but what about Tyler Harrell? Like where does he end up going? Um, Another guy that we have, you know, kind of in those mid twenties in those mid twenties for the wide receiver rankings, but um, just shows the depth of the class in my opinion. So, so I I'm pretty excited about the wide receiver class. Uh, I'm not sure how many of these guys get day one and day two capital, but I think we'll see some, some pretty exciting names pop this year yeah and And we've been talking about
1: yeah when we've been talking about the depth of the 2023 crew I don't know for two or three years now but it's really coming together like in a a huge way just when I when I look at every single position and even the upside at the tight end position where I'm, I'm I'm really only optimistic about Michael Mayer of Notre Dame seeing first round capital like looking down the list and seeing guys like like the like Uber Athletic Zach uh, Kuntz uh, Sam Laporta uh, out of Iowa Jaheim Bell South Carolina if Eric Gilbert gets his crap together for Georgia uh, Ben Urasik at Stanford like there's several options even at the tight end crew and we talked about it a few it's uh, a couple of weeks back but with the quarterbacks man like when I put together my top 100 uh, overall like future fantasy football players kind of big board that's going to be out for roto here I believe tomorrow. Like when I put that together, man, 56 of my top 100 were just 2023 20, guys, and I, I normally try to spread it out a little bit more if I'm like really going down my ranks and and uh, invest in, in a little bit of you know a few more guys and and just the two years out kind of crew like 2024 20, eligibles, but I, I couldn't do it. I was like, man, there are too many good quarterbacks uh, in this group, and it, I know that they're not all going to go in the first round, but I I kept on going down. I'm like, man, there are like 10 guys. Seriously, ten guys that I, I could see getting you know top ninety-ish capital or better or, or better better at the uh, quarterback position, which is kind of crazy. So uh, the strength is just everywhere in this class, way more so than twenty twenty two, way more than twenty twenty one. And I I know it's super top heavy right now for quarterbacks, but we could see guys. There are like multiple guys that I kind of hinted at last week, like Devin Leary. And then Hooker, uh, Anthony Richardson, even Cameron Ward going into Washington State. And if Spencer Rattler and DJU bounce back, like, man. And then Will Levis, people, somebody's going to reach for him. Tyler Van Dyke. Man, the list goes on. There are so many quarterbacks that could pop. And we could see another class with five-plus quarterbacks in the first round. I'm not projecting that right now. But, man, if that happens, every single position for 2023 is going to be stacked. I know it's probably too late in most leagues to acquire the 2023 picks, but I, <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to in my leagues even now. Like as as it goes along, I'm like, man, this is getting silly, and, Here's and the price for you. is only going to be absurd. Like it's just going to be absurd, like higher than maybe any class I've, I've ever remembered in terms of trying to acquire picks next spring.
2: So someone sent me a trade offer, uh, Malik Willis. This is a Debbie league, uh, three rounds. Um, so mm-hmm. just keep that in mind. So it would be. I would trade him my Malik Willis, and he would trade me um, um Egbuka, Egbuka, I can never say his last name, as well as a first-round pick. Now, granted, this guy just won the league, so he's got a pretty deep team. But uh, where would you land on that one, Superflex? Wait, he's
1: trying to give you a twenty 2020, twenty twenty twenty-three.
2: first? It's an Adevi depleted. And
1: a Still. Debbie depleted, like I, I, if like how depleted, like 50 rounds or just like.
2: No, it's only four rounds, but we're in like our fourth year. So, you know, there's, yeah, there's not a whole lot. All the, I mean, the top 40 players are gone basically.
1: Uh, I'd, I'd still, nope. I still want the Ibuka side. Yeah. I uh, you know that, uh, I mean, we liked uh, Malik Willis. I think he could still be a thing in the pros, but I'm going to go with the first and Ibuka, even if it is kind of depleted in, yeah. in that direction.
2: So, yeah, so that's to say, like, there are ways to get those uh, first round picks for next year. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's fun. I love I love Debbie and C2C oh. League so much. It's, it's so great. great. So, much so it's much fun. funny. It's funny now, like, I'm in a seven keeper league that we're, we're drafting this weekend. And everyone's like, man, there's not going to be anyone available in the draft. I'm like, bro, you have no yeah. idea. You have no, no idea. idea. <laughs> yeah, seriously.
1: And truthfully, there's probably a lot of the quarterbacks that I even mentioned, and a lot of flyer wide receivers that are going to be uh, producing in a big way this year, um, even beyond the guys you mentioned as well. Like, there's going to be plenty of depth that's going to make that an easy decision. Because, like, like we talked about last week, there are so many wide receivers that go day two at this point. Like, you probably in that reg- in that position, you're going to get Imika Edbuah, and then you can get a day two wide receiver trading for Malik Willis. So, yeah. I definitely like that situation for you, for sure. But I mean, we've been like 2023 class for people who live in this space. It's kind of old news. But 2024, I want to talk about that because uh, I know that sounds like uh, super far away, but it's going to be 2024 in less
2: than a year and a half. I mean, we just went from January to August in three weeks. So, I mean, (laughs) it's (laughs) it's all going (laughs) fast. I know, man. It used to sound like
1: that was so far away. But it's it's super top heavy. If you try to break it down at the running back position, it's you know it's Trevion. It's obvious guys like Trevion Henderson, Braylon Allen. Uh, you know Trevion Henderson being Ohio State, Braylon Allen being the, the seventeen year old who had a, you know, seven one hundred yard games for Wisconsin last year. Let's go! So, yes, I mean, and then uh, you know, but but beyond that, I think you have to squint. Like m- normally, we I feel like we have more guys that we're excited about at every position. But, you know, and and I think we talked about this maybe six months ago at this point, but because of the pandemic, because of uh, Mm -hmm. the transfer portal and how that's changed and the rules with that teams have gone with other strategies uh, and all together, just all the variables in the world that came together, just all screwed over the 2021 uh, recruiting class. The guys that came in last year that were freshmen. Most of them got screwed because their job got taken by a transfer. Their their job got taken by somebody who, oh, look, I have an extra year of eligibility. I don't have to leave now. That kind of situation. So we saw collectively it was the least impressive uh, recruiting class production wise in, well, for as long as I've been tracking this, like for at least 20 years, if not longer, this is the worst productive class I've ever seen. And that's not to say that they're not talented. That's not to say that they couldn't smash one day in the NFL and succeed it's just we're we're working with the least amount of information we ever have uh with a potential draft class at this point so what are you doing like with this class because I know there's a couple wide receiver breakouts a couple running backs a couple quarterbacks one tight end and then and then what like what do you do like what are you doing like how are you even evaluating this group
2: uh wait and see i don't know man it's tough it's really tough like even talking about like some of the wide receivers like a lot of people were excited about Ajay hall not anymore (laughs) you know like it's just so hard and then you see um guys who we thought another situation i wanted to talk to you about but i mean you know we're limited on time and um some of this just has to we have to save it for the for our chat but um like you look at a guy like um uh, running back out of, um, oh my God, my Oregon Ducks, Byron Car- Cardwell, super excited yeah. about him. And then James comes in, we're like, okay, is Caldwell going to get the opportunity? Now um, they just brought in another really top end running back. It's like, what's going on? Does, is, is Cardwell going to have the job? Is he not? And so to your point, like, there's so, and luckily we have time, we have until 2024 for a lot of this to shake out. And I think it will, but it does feel, like this class is going to be a little bit of a disappointment um, from an NFL fantasy perspective from the skill position players. So if it's not an early pick, I'm not I'm, I'm not going to be acquiring second and third round rookie picks for the 2024 season is what I'm trying to say. Right.
1: It certainly does seem incredibly top heavy right now. Like at the running back position, we could see guys like Will Shipley for Clemson break out. We could see. Right. Donovan Edwards of Michigan breakout this LJ year. Johnson, I'm, yeah. I'm really anticipating that we're going to see Raheem Rocket Sanders explode for Arkansas this year. You know, I that think was
2: me fist pumping and I hit my elbow on my desk, but I'm excited about that one too. Also, uh, Kamar Wheaton could be super fun at SMU. He could, he could, he could also <laughs> never play. Yeah, but there, there are going to be
1: a bunch of second third year breakouts, I think, from this group that we don't have anywhere on our big boards right now. And that happens in every single class, but I right. think that that could happen at, at a higher rate than ever measured, <laughs> uh, with this class, because there's just so much we don't know. Like Xavier worthy was basically the only true huge breakout, uh, that we expected to really break out in a big way and have an NFL future. There are a couple other, uh, smaller school guys that did kind of enough to get on track. Um, like you know, this on dribbling at Washington State, like he wasn't supposed to do that. Uh, a couple of the LSU guys kind of halfway broke out. Marvin Harrison Jr. had one game where he exploded. Right. Mario Williams kind of for a second, you know, I don't know. Like uh, Jaquori Brooks had a couple games, a couple big touchdowns. Adonai Mitchell for Georgia at times, you know, if you I, I, I really I got sp-
2: him super late too. By the way, super late, yeah. and that was surprising because there is an uh, opportunity.
1: Yeah. But even the, we just normally see more options break out. And and that's why I think so many people have Xavier Worthy for Texas rated so highly because yeah. he basically put together one of the most impressive freshman seasons of all time in a year where no one else did anything whatsoever. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's, it's weird. But if I'm trying to talk about specific positions, running back looks like a super top heavy 2016 kind of year where you want to get Trevion, who is like the Zeke in that class, or you want to get Braylon Allen, who is the Derrick Henry in that class, or you kind of don't want to get anybody. But there could be a couple other guys who impress, but it's feeling a whole lot like that for for running backs.
2: It will be interesting to see what happens at Michigan. I mean, we mentioned Blake Corum earlier. Um, I do expect Donovan Mitchell to to take a lot of the work. I mean, sorry, Donovan Edwards um, to take a lot of the work there. I still think it's Corum, the lead guy. But even last year, we saw haskins and quorum split the work and i think we'll see that too and i think edwards is a guy i mean he's already i mean we're expecting him he's like the third guy in the class maybe so we're we're hoping he makes a jump but i think we could see that already start this year uh is my hope but thing.
1: if our running back three in a class is like a i know i know guy, it, you know like it's that's not ideal where we are. <laughs> that's where we yeah. are for 20 so it could be a little light in the running back department and there there yeah. could be a couple tight ends like with brock bowers from georgia And Michael Trigg, if he absolutely explodes like we think he will this year for Ole Miss, could be a a really awesome big
2: two at tight end. Uh, Most classes don't even have really one to get excited about.
1: Quick question for
2: you around the tight end. Jack Beck from LSU, on fan tracks at least, is listed as a wide receiver slash tight end, which is why I grabbed him. Do you think that tight end eligibility will transfer over to the NFL side of things? Like, Do you think we can sneak him in as a tight end?
1: Oh no, definitely not. Like if you look at his size and you look at his actual alignment and how he's used, um, he's he's kind of like that underneath target for them, like in a tight end way. uh, He does have some inline snaps, but uh, he's not gonna be a tight end when it comes to to the pros. Like he he's not he's nowhere near the size that he needs to be. Like I was talking about this just yesterday. Like we haven't seen. There's only been one first round tight end that was uh, drafted in the last 15 years that was under six, four and Jack Beck might be six, two, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like he's, he's not going to get the capital as a tight end. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a, a wide receiver. If he is
2: anything, he'll be, he'll be playing tight end for, for the Diane, di Dian, Dian, I can't even say my team name. I'm just going to stop. He's <laughs> going to be playing tight end for me is all I'm saying. Cause he has okay. eligibility. For the college side. As long as he, he has that designation for no good reason at all.
1: I'll take it. Yeah, why not? But wide receiver is the area where I do think because of, um, you know, Ohio State, we could see a couple more guys break out this year for them with Marvin Harrison and Ibuka really breaking out and Mario Williams at USC and Ja'Cory Brooks at Alabama uh, and Adonai Mitchell should see a, a, even more targets this year for Georgia and Bo Collins if he can stay healthy for Clemson. Like the, those guys all have the potential. Uh, that if, if they actually stay healthy and uh, are on a, a productive arc for the next two seasons, we could see some strength there. At wide receiver, but right now the production profiles look absolutely disgusting. Uh, and the, but and then again, uh, the, the the quarterbacks, it's looking really top heavy right now uh, as well. Like we, there's Caleb Williams who just had one of the best freshman seasons ever last year because he was an amazing rusher. And an efficient passer, albeit against really weak competition, in, in his most effective five-game stretch. And then we have you, Quinn Ewers, which is a real huge quick,
2: example, but real quick yeah. with Caleb Williams, you always kind of say how great his season was. I I don't think people quite understand just how dynamic, especially considering he didn't even start the year as the starting quarterback. Just what a season he put together! Like you are not speaking in hyperbole when you say it was one of the best quarterback years we've seen. Like, I think yeah, it, it's, it's, don't, it's uh, worth repeating, you know?
1: Yeah. I don't say that. I mean, I, I do say that. And again, kind of like like with worthy. I just kind of moved on after saying he had one of the best seasons of all time for a true freshman. I don't say that just to say that I say that because those two guys, Caleb Williams and Xavier worthy, just put together two of the most impressive true freshman seasons of all time. Like it's just like when we when we try to try to compare them to other players, um, it's really hard because most true freshmen don't get the looks that they do in the big games that they do, and then still succeed like they do consistently week over week. And worthy, like I know he only only had 981 yards, but he had 12 touchdowns. He had 62 receptions. And and if you want to talk about like percentage of his team's production like he he was well over a third of the team's receiving production as a whole as an 18 year old kid like that is not common like when we get super excited about a breakout um like they might get to 30% re- like receiving yard market share or whatever but he was 39% of the entirety of the passing offense for Texas in his first season um so like if he was an NFL prospect in the 2022 class he would have already had an 80th percentile production profile as an 18 year old. So, I mean, that's insane. Like that's, that just doesn't really happen. And then Caleb Williams to do what he did. I mean, it's, I, to, to show up and, and throw 21 touchdowns, uh, it's a four interceptions in the way that he did and put all the bonkers rushing yards, like almost, almost 500 rushing yards in the amount of time that he played uh, is, is crazy. And then if you want to talk about like his adjusted metrics, like his adjusted pa- passing measures, like where he comes in percentile wise, he already had a 95th percentile pass efficient season as an 18 year old in a season where he wasn't even supposed to be the starter. So like in the past six years, there have been, let's see, less than 40 quarterbacks in the past. Yeah. Less than 40 quarterbacks in the past six years in the, in the entirety of college football had better pass efficiency marks than him. So like, you know, six or seven guys per season, who who are mostly like in their second, third, fourth, fifth seasons. Only right. like six a year have a better season than Williams did last oh, year, crazy. and he was a freshman. Like it's so, yeah, it's it's insane what he just he just put together.
2: Yeah, I just think it's worth you know slowing down and talking about it because well, I think I um, mean
1: I do I mean just because I live in spreadsheet world and I just I see <laughs> this. And, I'm like, oh yeah, the best, you know, like the best true freshman season ever. Cool, and I, you know, I, I looked over all that information in January or February and made all the comps, or whatever. But I, I just sometimes forget that uh, I am, I am a nerd. So <laughs> <we're> <laughs> none of us do there. though.
2: We always remember, and we love you for it.
1: I appreciate uh, that.
2: <laughs> the for thing sure. I love, the thing I love so much about fantasy football is it gives us we were like this weird combination of like incredible sports fan, but also incredible nerd. And it's just like the perfect outlet for us, you know? And it's hard, it's hard for people who are either not a nerd or either not a sports fan to get like to the level that we get into and you get into it much deeper than I do. But it's one of the things I love about fantasy football, because it's just one of those weird, uh, like combining these weird two skills. Um, and, uh, It's fantastic. I don't know why I said skills. Loving sports is not a skill, Um, but you know what I mean.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I got you. But yeah, so Caleb Williams uh, makes this class incredibly top heavy uh, because he's incredible. Um, But if guys like Quinn Ewers for, you know, no longer Ohio State, but but uh, for Texas now and Jackson Dart for Ole Miss now and Tyler Buckner, even for Notre Dame, if all of those guys actually hit and pan out in the way that we think they can for their potential squads. We could look at, at 2024 and go, wow, that class is actually really good at quarterback. Um, yeah. And but,
2: a lot of these guys haven't gotten their opportunity yet. And it'll be have, interesting yeah. to see what happens when they do a guy like Drake may, who was just announced the starting quarterback to no one's surprise at, uh, yeah, at at North target, Carolina. Like, yeah. Yeah. Excited to see what he can do now. He he's got downs and not a whole lot else yet, but, um, he could have a really exciting season this year. Um, Nussmeier, if he wins out the job at LSU, he's getting a lot of buzz out of camp. He was someone who wasn't supposed to be talked about like this, and, and he could win the job over Jaden Daniels and, and make L- He's got the receiving core to do it. It'll be fun to see what happens. Um, we, we mentioned Vandegrift earlier. Uh, Buckner is a guy that you're super excited about. J.J. McCarthy, he might, he might pass over McNamara this year at Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. Uh, so, yeah. This is a huge year for some of these guys to finally get on the field and show us why they were ranked so highly. And of course, not all of them are going to hit. But it'd be fun to see which ones do. Uh, Preston stone is another guy that, you know, probably won't see much time at SMU this year because they, they still have Mordecai. Um, But it could be a lot of fun if he does get a little little bit of an opportunity to play.
1: (laughs) And this is a perfect time for me to mention like just big picture. Like when people ask me, because I get a lot of questions about, you know, hey, I'm trying to trade out and add value in any way that I can in my dynasty league, trying to acquire picks for 2023, 2024, 2025, even some leagues that, you know, can trade out that far already. And uh, they're asking me about positions. And with 2025, the reality is like 2025, like these guys are incoming freshmen right now. And a lot of them haven't played as well. None of them as of recording have played a real live snap yet in college. Um, And so it's hard to predict predict that far out. But big picture, we've been able to, to a degree, uh, know which classes were going to be good years in advance because of how deep we dig into each position um, and and look at each class and the depth of of each each position, like how many players are rated within this particular range and what does that mean for future NFL hit rate. Like we have 20 years of data now to look back and kind of teach us and help us move along to kind of remind us, Hey, this is probably where the strength lies in this particular class. Um, And it's an imperfect science, but I will say that right now uh, and from here on until something dramatically changes in how things work within the football world, I'm not sure we're ever going to see a bad quarterback class. um, Like ever again, like this year's quarterback class was weak. um, And, and yeah, one of the weakest maybe ever <laughs> in in like the modern era of football. But when I, we look at uh, just the pipeline that has been created uh, and, and what I, I know that uh, I think that this, the, the impact on, on these guys profiles like COVID was, made them have some weird profiles that kind of made the, it, it an unknown class at the very least this year. But I don't think unless there's something weird that happens, we're ever going to see a, a, a bad, Class of quarterbacks ever again, because I just I, just going way back here for a second. Like Stefan, do you remember like when Lane Kiffin like back in the day for the first time offered like an eighth grader like a scholarship he, and like yeah. how big a deal that was?
2: Yeah, I do remember that. I was like, what in the world is happening? <laughs> what
1: are you doing? Like the kid's thirteen, and nowadays, but most of these thirteen year old top quarterbacks are have already been in quarterback camps and have have quarterback coaches, you know, for multiple years. Like. When they're a fifth or sixth grader, they're already going to camp circuits and trying to get their name in hats so that they can get their name on sites. And then they all, all of their huddle from middle school football.
2: And- I was going to bring up that point, I think, with huddle and, and different exposure that we have through social media and just technology and improving. Uh, I think it helps everyone out an awful lot because people don't right. get missed.
1: But with quarterbacks specifically, the amount of attention, individual coaching, and the pipeline that they put them through uh, to face off with each other at every step of the way—you know, the Elite Eleven competitions—all um, year long, like for five, six, seven, eight years before these guys even get to college, it's insane. Like these guys know that, hey, I'm on the Alabama kind of track by the time I'm 14. Like uh, every single year, you look at like recruiting cycles and you'll see Nick Saban. You'll see, uh, uh, you'll see Lane Kiffin. You'll see every SEC big-time coach taking pictures with a 14-year-old quarterback because at this day and age, like you have to get in on these kids and have your first offer uh, on their table unless you're in Alabama and you can come in whenever. Like most mm-hmm. of these schools, like no, you have to have your offers out to these guys at the very latest by the end of their freshman year of high school, and and other positions. It's not as crazy, but you guys, you guys, you have players committing uh to play at a university, you know, but when they're freshmen, sophomore, as as these quarterbacks go. And so it's just nuts like how early on the dedication at that particular position and focus at that particular position is. Um it's just I'm not sure we're ever gonna see the the demand for good quarterback play is so high now. Uh, I, I know we like to think that we've left the golden era because Tom Brady is about to be gone here soon. Drew Brees is already retired. Peyton Manning retired. You know Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning. Uh, you know even Matt Ryan's going to be gone Aaron, here
2: soon. Aaron like, Rodgers. <laughs> like, Aaron Rodgers will
1: be gone soon. Like all these guys, like we thought, all of them were in the same same Abel time. Jones. Sorry, he's yes. going to be gonna go. he's going to be
2: gone for different reasons.
1: <laughs> yes, but uh, we thought, man, we're never going to see. This golden era of football ever again because this was the best group of passers we've ever seen. I don't think that's the case. We might not see as long of careers because there is going to be so many good quarterbacks coming up behind these other quarterbacks that the pressure just shoves the guys who aren't absolutely absolutely elite out the door. Because when you think about like how how quarterbacks are critiqued these days, like the the, the garbage that gets spewed in the direction of of like some of the best quarterbacks in the world to ever live, and I say Dude, that because it's absolutely yeah. true.
2: Like, yeah, I was listening was. to a podcast the other day where it said if Fields doesn't put it together this year, they will be drafting early and will probably draft a quarterback. And it's and how crazy,
1: crazy. How insane is that? Justin Fields had one of the best. He was coming out of high school as, as a uh, as a prospect. He was one of the best quarterback prospects ever. We all we all knew it and ha- puts up just ridiculous numbers, has like a 90 98th percentile kind of profile as a passer coming out of out of college and then he's a first round pick and isn't perfect immediately like isn't a top 10 passer immediately and therefore we should throw him in the trash like that is the worst process I could ever imagine but that's where we are because the expectation is oh if you're not Peyton Manning or Tom Brady uh, as a passer and you're not as mobile as Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray then you must just suck and that's just so stupid like yeah. I, I see that kind of analysis from people who write and podcast all the time they they they, they call you know Tua Tagovailoa a bad quarterback and he's actually been like a top 20ish quarterback since he's been in the league but because he's not a top 10 quarterback in the league immediately by the way then he sucks and that's where the 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 group population sentiment is fan sentiment is because they they need their guy to be elite right away um, but because the pressure uh, coming up behind them is going to be even worse than ever, that's never going to change. In fact, it's probably going to get worse Like, right. <laughs> because every single recruiting class, every single draft class is going to have legit like 10 guys that have very draftable profiles. Like at this point, like the last two years, I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but this is my, my this is my wheelhouse. This is my passion here lately.
2: Let's go. Let's go. Like, uh-huh.
1: like not one. Drafted FES quarterback uh, had below an 80th percentile pass efficiency profile. Not one in the last two years. Like they all, like the NFL is finally figuring out one that you should draft super efficient passers and not just always go for traits like you're dumb. Um, and not, not everyone's going to be a Josh Allen that just turns around and is all of a sudden good uh, because he had the traits. But, but also there's just a higher percentage of super hyper efficient passers in a way that we've never seen before, like production profiles, not, not due to rule changes. Like the rule changes aren't really getting lighter and making things much easier than they were five or six years ago. We're seeing a larger number of elite level quarterback play from every direction in every corner of the country at every level. And that's not going away. And so that just makes the pressure all the more crazy. We might not see an 80, 80, 80,000 yard passer ever again. And that's because we're going to see in the time that it would take you to be an 80,000-yard passer like Tom Brady, you will have seen 200 quarterbacks come up behind you that are trying to shove you out.
2: That's insane. Yeah. So
1: it's just it, – it, I love it. It makes the analysis super fun. Um, but we were probably not going to see a, a bad quarterback class ever again. So I know, top, you know 2024 seems super top-heavy right now, but it's probably going to be really good when it's all said and done. And like 2025 looks really deep. And you know what? 2026 as insane as it sounds um that that sounds that that looks deep like because that particular recruiting class for next spring that hasn't even signed yet they have 10 or 12 guys um that would all typically be like top end four stars um that are kind of pushed down the list because they're just all stupid good like it's probably the best recruiting class of quarterbacks in the history of football
2: who's your favorite by the way my favorite in that class Yeah.
1: Oh, my favorite has to be Arch Manning because, like, the oh, marketability. Yeah. I think it's gonna be hilarious. Like, he, the dude is gonna make a billion dollars before <laughs> before he even plays in the NFL. Like, it's uh, it's gonna be fun. I don't think, I honestly, I don't think he's probably the best. I think Malachi Nest, Malachi Nelson. Um, I like him a lot. I like Dante Moore. Uh, he's there. We go. The Correct answer. There, like, <laughs> Correct he's got answer, the, like, Crazy measurables that teams are gonna love. Um, and then the
2: Nico, I can't ever say his, I haven't learned his Nico last
1: name yet Yamalava for Tennessee. Tennessee. Like yeah, he's I a little, him too. And his footwork's real bad, but um, he's going to put up numbers. And then mm-hmm. even all the way down to like 10th or 11th or 12th, you know, Pierce Clarkson, the son of uh, the, one of the many quarterback co- coaches, like one of the, the biggest quarterback coaches who has like one of the, the biggest quarterback camps in the country. His dad is Steve Clarkson. Uh, he's obviously spent some time with Pierce because Pierce Clarkson is, is, He's looking like the next big dual threat to dominate at Louisville.
2: I and just feel bad you know, for, for, for Neville Clarkson, the the older brother who's never been able to put it together. I'm just kidding. I have yeah. no idea if that person exists, but just imagine <laughs> <Pierce> <laughs> it's Clark- like those, it's those Manning he's commercials at the bottom of that tier, And I think most yeah.
1: years Pierce, Pierce would be like a top four star kind of guy, but because he's compared to these 10 other perfect level recruits uh, it's tough. And so, like I said, we're never going to see a weak quarterback class ever again. That said, because things look questionable for 2024 and we have no idea for 2025, but we're never going to see a bad quarterback class ever again.
2: I love it. (laughs) I love it. When you watch, um, when you do watch bad quarterback play, like we will tomorrow on Saturday, there's gonna be a lot of bad quarterback play. Um, it just shows you how much more fun the game is when there's quarterbacks that can deliver the ball where they want to. So, um, very excited. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, last but not least, so let's talk about some uh, some breakout freshmen coming in because uh, we haven't spent a whole lot of time. I feel like we spend more time typically in other classes talking about uh, potential breakouts um, that are true freshman types, right? Uh, we haven't been as excited in recent years because of uh, COVID. And we kind of knew that it was probably going to be weird, but things are almost-ish back to normal when it comes to, Uh, You know, teams getting full normal camps in with these guys, a bunch of early commits being actually able to get the full number of practices in to to really compete and and be on the field right away. So I know who my top freshmen are that I'm excited about in terms of being breakout options. But who are yours that you think could make an impact right away?
2: So it's kind of unfair because I listen to you a lot. So I I hope hopefully if if we have any repeats. You get credit because I, I stole them from you, probably. Um, <laughs> but I mean, outside of the obvious ones like you know Singleton and Robinson uh, at, at running back, a couple guys that I'm excited to watch this year. And and, and maybe you can uh, tell me I'm, I'm I'm wrong on these guys, but uh, I think there's a huge opportunity in the Tar Heels' backfield um, for someone to, to step up. And I think George Petaway could be that guy. Uh, maybe not right out the gate, but I think we could see him get a lot of work this year. There's been some injuries. And of course, um over the last two seasons, we've seen three running backs um really produce well and and now there's some some opportunity there. So so I like that. I like that um that one a lot. So so is one that I'm interested in. Um and then Trevor Etienne in Florida. Um let's see what can happen there. Again, I think the uh the offense is heading in the right direction. I think with with uh, Anthony Richardson getting all the look at quarterback, I think they're gonna be a lot more efficient. So that could be fun. Um, at wide receiver, um, which I think is more definitely more your wheelhouse, you always uh, give me some some guys to be paying attention to, and this guy might be on your list too. Uh, C.J. Williams is by far the guy I'm excited the most about. I know USC has a really really crowded wide receiver room. Um, just after the transfer market, they brought in so like the transfer portal brought in so many guys. I mean Jerry Rice's kid is, is going to be playing on that USC team. Well, he'll be watching a lot of games from the sideline, but he's going to be there. Uh, So, so, but he's someone who talent wise, I think could really, really um, explode. Caden Saunders at Penn State, um, I think has the opportunity. I know Parker Washington is there. um, But I think there's enough opportunity for Saunders to, to kind of get some exposure pretty quick here.
1: Yeah, man. I, I like those names. Um, you mentioned George Petaway. He is the faster, more explosive UNC freshman. There are a couple there. Uh, Amarion H- Hampton is the other running back coming in. That's kind of high pedigree for them. But yeah, British Brooks, who I guess was supposed to be the guy for North Carolina at running back is out for the year. And yeah. so they're very inexperienced there. Uh, they had Kamaro Edmonds transfer out. He's now at East Carolina. Uh, Caleb Hood is still there. Uh, but man, Pedway could, by mid season, be like the clear feature for them. I think that you know they're they're always going to go with a one two punch, but but Pedway could be the go to, uh, pretty quickly. So I definitely like that. I have have was, a
2: couple. Was he on your list? W- would him. he have been on your list? Yeah, you mention. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Yeah, man. I like that play for sure. Amari Hampton's just a little bit slow, so I think Pedway is. I mean, he's got the balance and everything, but Pedway has kind of the the whole package so he's like a top 100 level recruit coming in like overall in the country uh definitely like that upside uh other running backs i mean there are obvious names like the big ones nick singleton for penn state should start probably right away for them yeah and carry the load uh and their strength and conditioning program is insane like when he gets to the pros he's going to be one of the most athletic if not the most athletic in his class and just explode like be a dominant force like he's 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 probably the first-round projection, easiest slam-dunk play uh, out of these freshmen. And uh, I think he went first in all of my drafts, I think, this year for, for College of Kenton. So uh, he's he's a big deal, obviously. Uh, another obvious name, not to the recruiting services, apparently, because they like knocking players down lists when they miss a season. Uh, but Jaden Blue for Texas, I was a little concerned because – he was barely a top 100, top 200 overall recruit when it, what it was all said and done. But that was mainly because he sat out his senior season. He wasn't even injured. He sat out his senior season knowing he already had the Texas commit. And there was a lot of it, different variables. Uh, he was a top five running back in his class before choosing to sit out. But all the recruiting services knocked him down the list because he sat out. And uh, But he's still a top five running back in this class. He is the clear heir apparent for... Uh, to you know, take over the reins from B. John Robinson after he leaves uh, after this year. And um, I was concerned that Richard Young or one of the other top running backs uh, from the 2026 eligible, 2023 recruiting class rather, was going to go to Texas. But right now it doesn't look like that's the case. So if they don't and he avoids getting another top pedigree guy that comes in to perhaps beat him out, Jaden Blue could be the running back two in the class. And he's already been drafted as such for quite some time. But those two are the obvious ones. Branson Robinson looks like the Hulk, and so he could be the guy for Georgia too. He's more of a bowling ball to me; like he's not near as elusive, uh, or maybe as balanced as a prospect uh, as Nick Singleton or Blue might be. But he's still very high. But then the non-obvious names, uh, you know, like like Ramon Brown from Maryland, he could come in and start and be the best option by you know week three or four for them. Justin Williams uh, could be the best running back. Uh, for the Tennessee Volunteers this year, he's got a feature back build already. Kind of some straight line speed. Not not as much wiggle in the hips with him either, but uh, I think he could take over and be the lead of that backfield by a season's end. And then way down the list, I, I like Tavoris Jones of Missouri. Uh, for running back, because he was uh, an, another another one of those late risers in the recruiting process, but had an incredible, yeah. I mean, he was productive every year, but he had an incredible, like, 1600 plus yard rushing season with a bunch of receiving yards on top of it. Dominant force against decent level competition and joins Mizzou, who loves to, um, you know, produce through the running back position. And they brought in a couple of veterans, like Nathaniel Peat, and, and like one other. Uh, but he's really the highest pedigree running back that mazoo's brought in since I think 2004, 2005. So if he takes over by a season's end, he could be super hyped, uh, as well. So, and he was like around 40 plus kind of target. That's probably not expensive to even acquire. For he, most people that I've talked to that have acquired him, I was trying to get him late. Like they don't even know, know much about him or really have a super strong take about him. So I've tried to acquire him in a couple spots, just cheap, but people, don't like trading with me, so... Uh, if Travis likes him, so I yet. probably
2: shouldn't trade him away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I've had someone tell me that, oh, if you like him, I'm not trading him to you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um,
0: Can I ask Wines you about... Were,
2: yeah. Uh, I'd like to get your opinion on Oklahoma's running back situation. Oklahoma in general is going to be interesting because, you know, we just had, like, the uh, the savior himself, Lincoln Riley move away i mean he's revolutionized the sport no one's no one's as good as lincoln um i jest. um but brent venable's defensive coach i might be being very very stupid and being like well they're probably going to run the ball a lot if they've got a defensive coach but they have two uh four-star prospects and javante barnes and then uh, gavin Sawchek. um now they're both playing behind eric gray who i'm a little bit higher on this year than i was last year i'm higher on than the consensus i should say i was low on him compared to everyone else high on him this year. Anyway, um, do you think either of those running backs um, is someone that we should be targeting?
1: The, the safer bet to me is to always target the guy who's the bigger back and looks to be a professional-sized back, and that's Javante Barnes between the two of them. I think Gavin Sachuk by um, multiple services, is, is actually rated higher. But I, I, I have uh Javante barnes ranked higher personally for me yeah, he's six foot point, 200 i mean that's a nice Yeah, sport. he's already 200 pounds and could add, easily add some saw just a little bit undersized he's definitely more explosive though so maybe it's one of those situations where he actually becomes a, an incredibly explosive athlete and even though he's not perfectly sized he's actually the better pro prospect but right now i think i, I would lean barnes if i had to between the, those two
2: do you think we see anything from them this year
1: yeah, because I think uh, I don't think that they have really solid options at, at running back. Though I, really, the past few years, um, besides like leaning on Kennedy Brooks, like there's not been an obvious option outside of uh, the last six games of Ramondre Stevenson's career.
0: Um, right. That uh-huh. It's
1: like a feature. I don't think we're going to see like a super obvious feature this year. So I think there's going to be some work for both of them to be had uh, alongside uh, Gray there.
2: Yeah, that's interesting because uh, both of those guys are super cheap. Um, and I do think there's a good possibility that one of them has a really good career um, and, and does get draft capital one day. I just I was curious on your take of which one. But um, I like your reasoning sure. for Barnes. And I haven't heard much talk about him, honestly.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I've had a, a couple questions on tight ends in this class, and I don't really actually like uh, most of any of the tight ends in this class. Well, it's a pretty it good weak...
2: It goes to your point that you made last time we talked about it. You're just not going to invest in the tight end position because it's such
1: a I'm long not. shot. No, I'll definitely just punt <laughs> uh, just in general at the position. But I mean, there's a, sorry, a couple of interesting guys. Like I think the the cheapest in combination with the potential upside is Amari Niblack, uh, Alabama freshman who will probably uh, take over for Cameron Latu after he's gone uh, beyond this year. Um, he's got the size and, and speed and athleticism. That I think he could be a really fun receiver for them too, but that's, you know, but I, then again, they could sure. always
2: bring in a transfer, yep. steal his job. <laughs> so,
1: exactly. Yeah. For Alabama. And that's what, if they see a need, they're just going to bring in like the best player in the country to fill that role. But beyond that quarterback, I mean, there's several that we could talk through like from Cade Clubnick Clem, 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 at Clemson. I mean, he could supplant
2: DJU. Uh, where would I, you put those odds, by the way?
1: That just he would be stronger by season's per- end?
2: Yeah, like, do you like if you had to set the market, no injuries, obviously? DJU, Kate Kuhlberg, who's, st- who's starting the last game of the season?
1: I put 70 30 in favor of DJU.
2: Yeah. Okay. I don't think are, that's but... what I don't think anyone's there, <laughs> except for Probably. you and I.
1: Um, <laughs> There's got to be some other people that believe that DJU and his potential still there. Cause I mean, he was Dabo, you know, maybe. Was <laughs> yeah, Dabo clearly does. Uh, but yeah, I think Kade K- Klubnick is the obvious could supplant the guy this year. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, not a whole lot of obvious options. Like it's Walker Howard at LSU is not going to be that guy. Sam Horn at Mizzou is probably not, you know, Nick Evers at Oklahoma. Definitely not. Brady Allen's not going to take over for Aiden O'Connell at Purdue. Definitely not. Gunner Stockton, Georgia. No. Ty Simpson at Alabama. No, he might not even play for Alabama ever because they're bringing in two other guys next year. That are just as good or better. Uh but Malik, Murphy, Allers, who, and, who we
2: talked hey, about. Yeah. Say what? I was saying Malik Malik Murphy, who we talked about before the show, is in a similar oh, yeah. situation He's never got a
1: play for Texas. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Um, and so the the, the number of true freshman breakout candidates for quarterback this year, like with really awesome pedigree, it's it's a small number. Because like You're- maybe what? Sorry,
2: I cut you off on Drew Aller. I didn't. I didn't want to miss that.
1: No. point, Drew Aller. I mean, like because Clifford, we know what he is at this point. Um, and if he really struggles at some point, or can you tell me what
2: that is? Because I'm not sure. I do know what he is. Because I don't understand how he's still starting.
1: <laughs> he is a guy. Oh, look, man. Like in the pros, like he's right at the Andy Dalton line of starters. Like he's just good enough, but you know he's never going to actually do anything when it comes to a big game. And that's just that's a, he, he's gonna. He's good enough to maybe take you to win nine games, but like when you really want to do something, he's not good enough. And so maybe they sour on that this year or maybe he struggles with health at some point because um, you know, he plays Iowa again. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like, but Aller would be another you know, guy that could break out. Yeah. Uh, and, and Connor Wageman at Texas Texas Am, uh, I think he could be a guy there because that job is not settled at all like with, with Max Johnson and Haynes King. And if either of them struggle or or struggle to stay healthy like both of them um, have done in the past, then uh, Wagman, who clearly has the highest upside of any of them, could take over there as well. And then I know a lot of people like Devin Brown, but with C.J. Stroud healthy at Ohio State, he's never going to see the field deal either. So it's a boring year for immediate impact, obvious quarterback names with high pedigree. Probably not going to happen. Uh, But that doesn't mean they're not good. That doesn't mean that they should drop to around 36 like Brock Vandegrift did (laughs) uh, after one year. But wide receiver, we'll land the plane here and then uh, sign off. But Barion Brown at Kentucky as a local kid here in the the Nashville area, um, one of my favorite stats with him, like I think it was one out of every three returns uh, in his sophomore season he took back for a touchdown. Uh, like that, is, returned, returned. that is stupid. And, and <laughs> that is then, absolutely stupid. Yeah. He, he took like four or five, uh, maybe Amazing. even six, I can't remember what it was. And then teams just stopped kicking at all to him. Like they just, he just, I don't think he ever really got another chance to return every game. The better ever,
2: that, better odds with an onside kick.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he was basically, yeah, he was basically just uh, an unstoppable, like it was just a bad idea. It was It was Devin Hester in high school. And so, uh, that doesn't really help him as a returner, but he's, he's, he's funny, man. Like he had an Alabama offer early and he turned them down, uh, cause he was wise enough to realize, look, I'm good, but, uh, I'm not sure I'm, I, I really want to compete with 17 other guys in the same room that are just as good. And so he goes to Kentucky and is probably not going to be the guy this year because they brought in uh, Tabian Tavian Robinson to be kind of the Wandale role this year, Wandale Robinson role. But man, he should be the focal point of that offense by year two. And um, there should be a dip in value if he doesn't produce right away. So that's and somebody Kentucky's, I'm watching.
2: And Kentucky's been putting out wide receivers in the NFL. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. And at least have like, targets to like one guy in the offense, like really featuring somebody. Like Stoops is really all about, um, you know, finding the mismatch and having one really good alpha player that they trust. And Barry could be that. Like maybe by the end of this year, but no later than next year. Like he's he's high pedigree, incredible speed, incredible yak ability, uh, elusiveness is just off the charts. So uh, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people are on him uh, as well. But uh, I really like the upside there. And then just uh, some other guys like Taylor Shetron for Oklahoma State. I think he could be the alpha wide receiver for them. Like we people forget how many uh, wide receivers in a row we saw that Oklahoma State just chucked the ball a thousand times their direction like james washington and tylen wallace and guys before that i mean like like even like uh uh, when people miss time like jaden bray is probably going to be that guy this year but taylor Shetron should be the guy uh after this season for sure
2: yeah i like it i like it a lot i um i love hearing you talk about these wide receivers specifically because you have been uh Every year there's one guy at least that you're on before everyone else. Xavier Worthy last year, Jordan Addison the year before. Uh, so yeah. Uh I'm excited about these guys. Yeah, who we, would you who would you plant your flag on for, for a freshman breakout this year? Um
1: if I was trying to find the uh the next like Xavier Will- Z- uh, Xavier Worthy, uh well there's not going to be one cuz like I said he he legit right. had like, one of the best true freshman uh seasons of all time. But I think I would actually probably plant my flag and say like somebody who's gone later in drafts uh, yet all yet it doesn't make any sense because he had the pedigree and he's had a decent school and it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, would probably be Antonio Williams at Clemson because he fits a role that they haven't had there in a long time and uh, that he's a shorter, shiftier guy. He's not short, but he's like not the six four, uh, really long, slow guy that they like Uh, to, uh,
2: uh, (laughs) whatever, or T
1: Higgins or Justin Ross or, you know, or Joe, Joe Nagata or Frank Gladstone, like all these really lanky guys, he's not that he can create his own separation. So I think that is, that is probably who I would go with because it's funny. Like when you talk about, uh, like the importance of camp reports, some don't mean much, but like they're like the recent most recent stuff, even like yesterday. The beat writers were talking about Antonio Williams, the freshman, like coaching up Brandon Spector, who's like a fifth year guy. Like, I like he's so much. Like he's helping him. Like Spector is, you know, somebody who's going to be in in the fight for the, um, going like to fight for like slot role. But that's realistically going to be Antonio Williams. And so I think Antonio Williams could be the only guy that creates his own separation. And he's already in a position where he's coaching up veteran wide receivers. Uh, yeah, sign me up because I don't care if it's DJU or Cade. He's gonna find a way to produce this year, and he's on a lot of my teams. Um, and he didn't cost that much in draft, so he would be my flag plant as the immediate breakout true freshman if I had to make one.
2: I like it. I yeah, like man. It. I mean, but, you could have said anyone, and I'd say I'd like it just because I trust you. <laughs> but your <laughs> your reasoning is 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 really good, and it's uh it's it's easier. I mean, it's it's more interesting than, than just being like Luther Burton. Yeah. <laughs> and it's know? not like.
1: Last year, I was some cra- crazy psycho prophet for saying that Xavier Worthy was going to break out. Like I just saw a player that had 4-4 speed and had a, a kind of like a last minute transfer situation to go to Texas, meaning, you know, like the coach really went all in to get this one player. And I was like, man, he was really fast and was a yak guy. And the competition is questionable or at least it stayed healthy. Similar situation here with Antonio Williams. I think he could break out in a big way. Other guys, just because they kind of have to, Andre Green Jr. for UNC uh, could have to break out because they only have like seven scholarship wide receivers and he's probably automatically their second best one. Um, T- Tobias Merriweather, Notre Dame. He was been, another
2: guy I was wondering about too. I just yeah, get nervous with their offense.
1: Super, super cheap, uh, but yeah, their offense has been gross for receivers, but um, he might have to produce, you know, this because of the injuries that they've faced already in their receiver core as well. So, like, Styles is going to get some targets. Yeah, that's fine. He, he rooms with Tyler Buckner or whatever. But Merriweather might break out as well. And then if we want to bet on another Texas receiver, because Isaiah Nair just missed time, Ajayi Hall just got arrested, Jordan Whittington can't stay healthy, Brennan Thompson runs like a 10-2 100-meter. And he was a top 150 overall prospect in the country. And I'll say this again, runs a 10 2 I run
2: a uh, 10 2, <laughs> 40.
1: Yeah, that's that sounds about right. But no, so Brendan Thompson, he profiles similarly to uh, Xavier Worthy as like the maybe the next guy after him. But I think he could be one of those guys that makes a few splash plays and and people that, that are smart in draft communities and Debbie fantasy football go, Holy cow, what just happened? Who was that? You know, and so Brendan Thompson could be another guy that breaks out at times, but not like with a ton of volume for Texas at some point because he's just too fast to keep off the field.
2: Yeah, I like it. I like it, and I'm excited. You've also mentioned Isaiah Bond, uh, not for this year, of course, because of Alabama's room, but I know he's a, a wide receiver that you've got your eye on as well.
1: Yeah, uh, Alabama. It, it it's really weird to predict, really hard to predict who's going to win because they have like ten top 100 uh, former overall in the country yes. of the recruits. <laughs> Um, like, is it going to be Kobe Prentice who's been buzzing at camp? Is it going to be Aaron Anderson who had the highest pedigree of them all? Is it going to be, um, you know, uh, uh, Corey Brooks who's already there? Jermaine Burton who's already there? Is it going to be Jojo Earl? Uh, and it, is it could be, be all Sean of them Wilson? just on different
2: teams. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, like, Sean
1: Holden's even making noise now after three years. Like, what in the world, Alabama? Uh, so it's tough, but I think Bond looks a whole lot like the most recently drafted Alabama wide receivers to me. And so he fits the archetype. That's probably going to be in some kind of role by year two. It's, and again, it's not very adaptive.
2: expensive, not a very expensive yeah, exactly. um, player to acquire. Well, this was good, man. I, I know we went pretty long today, but I think there's a lot to get to. And, and uh, it's exciting to talk about because I mean, you and I are both huge college football fans. It starts tomorrow. We're very excited about this. And so it's fun for that reason to talk about these guys. But then, for NFL guys, fantasy players, like this stuff is important. Like you want to be looking ahead, especially if you're in a dynasty or debbie league. Um, you need to be planning now if you want to have that leg up because you don't want to be sitting um, looking at the upcoming freshman class, I mean, rookie class in the NFL being like, who are all these guys? Because by that time, it's too late.
1: Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Good times, man. And plus, I mean, like, I know we we say we went long, but nobody listens to podcasts on one times anyway. Like, and if you're That's listening true. to me, me talk at one times right now, and you listen to an hour and a half, bravo, props to yeah. you. But I listen on like two x like all the time. Like, it's funny. Like when I sometimes just for kicks, I will slow it down just to yeah. hear like oh, what this person actually sounds like. Me too. <laughs> me
2: too. <laughs> I, I usually yeah. do one and a half speed.
1: Um, um, Yeah, I've got to do two X, man. I listen to too many podcasts. I'm like, I'm gonna get through them all, but right.
2: I find if I listen at two X, I I miss too much. My my brain. I'm old, man. I'm (laughs) forty. I I need a little bit of time to digest. Maybe Um, when
1: I no, but rage.
2: Oh, (laughs) exactly. Hey, I uh, I just wanted to throw something out there real quick. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. I just spent all my uh, preseason money on various baltimore bets i got baltimore to win the north at plus 140 i took a plus 190 uh for baltimore and san francisco to both make the playoffs um <laughs> i'm i'm all in what? on the ravens this year baby
1: okay well there you have it folks if you want to get all some all sorts of crazy bet uh, advice from uh, stefan you can find him on twitter at stay you can find me at ff underscore Love talking college football, love talking NFL. And we'll be back here soon on another College Decant Podcast to be talking more real football action that we actually got to yes. see starting this weekend. So that's real. So I uh, hope to see you guys again here soon. But until next time, you guys take care and enjoy the football season.